Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is where you are listening. Welcome to the VBAC link. This is Megan Heaton. And as always, I'm excited to be with you today and share another story. A couple months ago, when my kids went back to school in August, I asked out on the VBAC link, Facebook and Instagram page, what people wanted more of. And what that was, was vaginal birth after two cesarean specifically stories. And I am going to just deliver that to you today. Actually, Anna is going to deliver that to you today. We have a guest sharing her VBAC after two C-section story with an induction, which is also something that a lot of people don't know um, that VBAC after two C-sections can also be induced. So we're excited for her story and so grateful for her for being with us today. Um, She even wants to be a doula here in the future. So I'm so excited to talk with her more about her journey and her story and her desire to be a a doula. But of course, we have a review of the week, so I don't want to miss that. Today, we have Emily Ressman, and this was from Apple Podcast, and she posted it back in June. So um, yeah, not too long ago. She says, prepping for my VBAC in August. Oh, that's actually right now when we're recording, guys. I found this podcast and it is so inspiring. Hearing facts from experienced doulas and successful VBAC mamas has given me a confidence I didn't know was possible. I now feel comfortable talking to my OBs as well as my family and friends about why I want to be back and feel informed of the risks. I also love hearing the CBAC stories as well. So I will be ready to find healing however my next birth plays out. Thank you for all you do. Well, thank you, Miss Emily. There was another review. Hopefully I didn't just re-read reread <laughs> this review, but there's another review that was also talking about loving hearing the sea back stories. And I love that. I love that you guys love that. It's something that can be triggering and hard here, but it is really good to listen to because sometimes birth ends in a cesarean birth and it may not be desired, but it can still be healing and beautiful. And, you know, my, my second VBAC, although not desired to be uh, or second C-section, although not desired to be a C-section, I really found it healing and, and, and it was nice. It was peaceful um, to be a part of my birth and to know those options. And so these C-back stories are beautiful. And I'm so grateful for all of you guys who have shared them. We welcome all stories here, VBAC, um, even uterine rupture, C-back, VBAC after multiple cesareans, it, you're welcome here. So if you haven't, and you wanted to share your story, feel free to apply. We're sharing both um, podcast and social media because we have so many wonderful submissions. We want to try to share all of your stories. So if you haven't had a chance, head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story today. Also, if you haven't had a chance, we would love your reviews. We are in need of more reviews. And so if you wouldn't mind pressing pause right now, before we get into Anna's beautiful story and leaving a review on Apple podcasts, Google play, um, wherever you are, just Google, you could just Google the VBAC link and leave a review there as well, or on Facebook or send us a message at hello or no info at the We would love, love, love to read your review on the podcast. You are tuned into the VBAC Link Podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. 
Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Okay, Anna, I am so excited for you to share this story. Like so excited because especially I think the induction is something that makes me really excited because we don't have a ton of induction view back after multiple cesarean stories. And so I'm excited to hear about how your induction went and, you know, how you navigated through that and where you were and all the fun things. So if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to turn the time right over to you. I have to say, I'm just, I can't stop smiling because it feels, <laughs> it feels surreal because I'm such a big fan of the podcast. Oh, <laughs> that makes me so happy. I seriously, like we, I like, we are so grateful for you and all of listeners and all of the story shares, because we wouldn't have this. We would not have this without you. I mean, when Julie and I were together, we could sit and probably talk VBAC until we were blue in the face, right? Because we we love VBAC. We're passionate about VBAC. But the stories, these stories are what makes this podcast. And so we're so grateful for you today for being here. Yeah. So I guess I'll start with my first birth. So this was, I was 18. It was a long time ago. (laughs) So I was very, um, I would say uneducated about birth. Uh, It was also an induction at 41 weeks. So that's important to note because it can't kind of, it's the same as my VBAC, the story Mm -hmm. how it started. Yeah. Um, So I went in for my induction. I was one centimeter, 50% of face. Again, same as my VBAC. That's kind of funny. Like same stats, same stats. (laughs) Yeah. So that was like a battle in my mind actually for my VBAC because I was so nervous. But everything went well up until a certain point. So they started with Cervidil, which I hated. It was like super intense, super painful contractions just as soon as they started it and I got an epidural because of the cervidil before even Pitocin or anything and then I stalled at five centimeters for about 12 hours there was no change I just I don't know I was super upset I remember when my doctor was like okay well you haven't made any progress it's been 12 hours it was just so devastating to me I did not want to have a c-section at Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. and that first c-section it was I was I was really young I was 18 it was it was traumatizing for me I felt just so scared and I was I didn't have I had my boyfriend but he was also 18 so we were both kind of like we had no idea what to expect or anything. And the worst part of that one was they actually had my boyfriend leave with my baby. So they left me alone in the OR to be stitched up. And that was, I'll never forget that. It was horrible. And I just like, 
you know, I wanted to see my baby and then they left with him. It was just terrible. Yeah. Like, oh, you yeah. just kind of feel abandoned sometimes. Like that. I did. And you don't really know anyone around you. And yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was definitely hard. It was definitely hard. And so fast forward, my second birth, I originally, I, I planned for a TOLAC for this birth as well. And that was with my current partner now. So this is, I should have said I had a boy and then another boy. So my second, this is my second son. He, yes. Anyway, backtracking all over the place. I wrote notes and everything and I'm still all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. So my second birth was, I planned to TOLAC, um, but I did not really prepare like I should have. I think I went into it just like it didn't work the first time. I mean, what are the odds? It's not going to work a second Mm -hmm. time. I'm going to be fine. I'm just going to, you know, wing it. Mm -hmm. That didn't go well. (laughs) I I think I had padromal labor this time. Yeah, I didn't know what it was at the time, though. And I just had really intense contractions. They started at 39 weeks and four days with him. And it they didn't cause any cervical change at all because I went to the hospital two nights in a row because they were so intense. I'm like, what is happening? And I couldn't get any sleep. So they did um, medicated sleep for me, which huh, was nice. Yeah. Really? So, so I could get sleep, a little bit of sleep. But then when they told me, you know, nothing has changed after that, I was just like, I just felt like, ready to meet my baby and I was tired of being in pain and nothing was happening and I had no idea what padromal labor was and I had no idea about you know it could have been the positioning of the baby or like the mile circuit I didn't know what any of that was so I just was like I'm done I want to meet my baby sign me up for a c-section and it was actually healing it was much more peaceful they never separated us I got skin to skin in the OR so it that experience was healing for me because I did get you know a much more peaceful and better experience but it was not a VBAC so (laughs) right it it wasn't it's not that it's it wasn't the birth you desired but it it could it was still great like it was still yeah and that's how it was for me too like I didn't desire another c-section but I still was able to make it healing and positive for the birth that it was. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then, so my VBAC after two C-sections. So I honestly, when I first, we were trying um, to get pregnant and I, I honestly was still thinking about options, but I really was considering a repeat C-section actually Mm. because of the padromal labor. I was just Mm -hmm. so, you know, I didn't, I I didn't know what padromal labor was still at this point. So I was just very ignorant of it all, I guess. So to me, I was like, oh, well, you know, I didn't even know if VBAC after two C-section was an option. So I actually, what happened was I looked up VBAC on the podcast and the, this VBAC link came up and Megan, I, I heard your story and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a thing. I can do that. Oh, <laughs> yes. And then I, I think it. I listened to every story probably a million times <laughs> my whole pregnancy. 
There's and, something about having those stories, right? When you're prepping, like, oh yeah, it's huge. You. Yeah, it is for mm-hmm. sure. And then I feel like you learn so much too through mm-hmm. other people's stories. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So th- thankfully, the hospital I deliver at is they're very VBAC friendly. And I didn't even have to fight for a chance to TOLAC at all. Like it was, it's so supportive, which is so great because <sighs> I battling with yourself, I think mentally, like at least for me, that was a huge part of my journey. So mm-hmm. I'm happy I didn't have to fight with, you know, some, somebody else to get what I want. Mm-hmm. So in my, my first doctor's appointment, actually my midwife, she asked me, do you want a TOLAC or do you want a C-section? And I was like, oh, wow. Like I, I want a TOLAC. And I originally told her, I, you know, my plan was to, if I went into spontaneous labor, I would TOLAC, but I didn't want to be induced again because of how, you know, the first experience went, which is mm-hmm. ironic. And then I was like, but I, you know, before 41 weeks, I said, I'll try. And then if I get to 41 and I don't go into labor, I'll just have a, you know, scheduled C-section the whole time until the last month. That's what I thought. But obviously that changed. (laughs) So to, to prepare this time, like I, I just completely absorbed into everything I could find about birth and VBAC. I took the VBAC link course actually too which was super helpful. And I read, I read Ina May. I think I read all of her books. I read, I think it was how to heal a bad birth. Mm, Yes. Yes. It was huge. So I just realized from my second birth that I just, I had a lot of things that I needed to work on to overcome, to be able to believe in myself also, so a huge part of my story too, before I get into my birth story, was my mom had all C-sections and then my my older sister, she had four C-sections herself. So to me, it, there was a huge just belief with my mom and my sister that like, oh, we just can't do it. We just can't give vaginal birth. Like none of us can. That's just how it is. So when I told them I wanted to have a VBAC after two C-sections, they were a little taken aback. Like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why do you want to do that? You've tried twice. Why do you want to do it again? And especially my mom, I would say I was actually meant to be, I was a TOLAC. So she was trying to have a VBAC oh, with me. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And this was the 90s. So that's when it took off in the 90s. And she she was induced though. And it just didn't she didn't progress and she had another c-section and she really believed like my body doesn't work like it's broken Mm -hmm. it just Mm -hmm. and then she thought it was like genetic like it got we got into some like arguments actually I love my mother but (laughs) it was it was hard to work through and just you know just that was another thing I had to kind of shut out with my mom and my sister I was kind of like I know I know I understand and respect your concerns but I don't want to talk about this with you because it was that negative voice. I was like, I know when I go into labor, that's what I'm going to think about. So I had to really tone that down. Yeah. So coming into my birth story. So I hit 
you know, 40 week. (laughs) And then, you know, it just kept dragging. Once I hit my due date, I'm like, I really thought I would go into labor by now. And then, (laughs) (laughs) so I had to, I actually decided like, I think it was my 39 week appointment that all of a sudden I did want an induction at 41 weeks. And that was actually because of the, um, the VBAC link Facebook community. So there's a lot of stories on there too, that I thought were super helpful. Um, and when I was looking up, uh, VBAC after two C-section stories, I came across quite a few that were induced. So I, you know, I talked with my midwife and I decided that's something that I wanted to do. So 41 weeks came and I was scheduled for my induction and me and my partner get there and, you know, it was, they did all the intake. It took a while and we started with the Cook's catheter. So Mm -hmm. that started at about like 1.30 in the afternoon, they placed it and that went well. I did a a little bit after I started contracting and it was manageable and then it got really uncomfortable. So that's when I was, I was looking for a relief. Mm-hmm. I got into the shower, which that was amazing. Hot water is amazing for contractions. And I just, that was, that went on for a few hours. I tried the tens machine. I did not like that. <laughs> I tried the nitrous. That made me nauseous. I was like, nope. So that was the three things I wanted to try was like water, nitrous, TENS machine. And then I'm like, okay, now I want an epidural. I was like, I just, I can't do it anymore. Because I was just so tired because obviously I have two kids at home and then just, I was there all day. This was about like probably 8 or 9 PM at this point. So I was just really ready to get some rest. Mm-hmm. Because I knew I had a long ways ahead of me. So at about around like 9 30, 10, I got the epidural place and I felt amazing at that point. <laughs> I immediately I got some sleep. And then the Cook's catheter it didn't come out on its own actually, but when they took it out, I was like a three, three to four. That's great. Yeah. So that that helped a lot. So then they started Pitocin at around like 3.30 a.m. And then my water broke on its own with one contraction, which I was really proud of because it's never happened before. Then I started feeling, I think after my water broke, that was about, it was like 6 a.m. I think. And then I started to feel more pressure and the contractions were just, they were coming back. So I was, I, I got, um, I got more medicine for my epidural and then the nurses were amazing. I have to say like, that's the best thing about my, the hospital I delivered at was just amazing. And all the nurses were great. My nurse was coming in, switching sides. I had the peanut ball, which I think it helps so much in making the difference between my first experience with induction and then this experience. So around 3.30 in the afternoon, that's when I was experiencing like a lot of pressure that I've never, I've just never experienced before. And it wasn't pain. It was just pressure. Was it like vaginally, rectally? Everywhere. It was everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. It was like really intense pressure. So I, my midwife came in and she checked me and 
she was like, you're eight centimeters. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I was just, I, I stalled at five centimeters with my first. So mm-hmm. right there, I felt, you know, like that feeling of like, okay, so like my body's not broken. It, it made it past five. That mm-hmm. was the big like moment where I was like, oh my God, it's mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. <laughs> so at that point we were just, it was a waiting game waiting for to be complete. Cause I was she was at zero station. So she was coming lower. So that's what all that, the pressure was. She was starting to come down. And then I remember this is like, I had such like an out-of-body experience from this point on because my epidural just, it just stopped working that good. And I started to feel everything again, but, and it was eight, eight centimeters, like hitting transition. I didn't know what to do to cope. I remember my, my partner and the nurse were just like, just breathe, just breathe. And I got, you know, I swears everything. I was like, I can't breathe. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. I was trying to stay calm and I was like, oh my goodness. And that was another moment of like, in my head, I'm like, why did I sign up for this? Like, why am I doing this to myself? Mm-hmm. even though it's what I wanted it's just it was such a mental battle like every step of the way and my 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 partner was such a huge help like bringing me back to reality he was like you know you can do this you can do this I believe in you so he was great <laughs> and then about I remember I was complaining about more pressure so actually at this point it was probably like 5 p.m and I felt every time I had a contraction, I was actually like bearing down. And that's another just, it's just, unless you've had the feeling of the fetal ejection reflex, it's hard to explain. It just like, it was an uncontrollable, just like bearing down, just like when you poop, which (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. what the nurse was telling Mm -hmm. me, but in I was telling clients, it's the cutest poop you're ever going to take. Yeah. Just embrace it. (laughs) Brace the feeling. And so I was right too. I thought I was like, oh, she like, I had that feeling I was complete when the midwife came in. So they got everything ready for me to push. Baby was having a couple of like late D cells that they, they've been monitoring. They were monitoring the whole time and it was starting to get, I think, to a point where they didn't really like it as much. So it was really like, I felt the pressure in the room kind of like it it changed and it was kind of like they were um, telling me to push, teaching me how to push. But after a couple of times, the OB was, that was there. She explained to me what was happening. And she said, if you can't get her out in the next couple of contractions, you have an option. We can do a vacuum delivery or C-section. She's like, a vacuum delivery is going to be much faster to get her out. But they were kind of like, you know, her heart rate's not what they wanted. So, Mm -hmm. so that part was intense. I would say it got like a little scary there for a minute, but I, I only pushed for 20 minutes when they, she told me that it really did. I just gave it all I had and I pushed her out and it was just the most intense thing I've ever felt. But also as soon as she was out, it was just like all, oh, it was all worth it. (laughs) And they put her on me for the first time and I never experienced that before. And it was amazing to be the first person 
to hold your baby. And she came out perfectly healthy. So that was good. But I will never forget it after (laughs) they put her on my chest and I looked over at my boyfriend and I literally, I was just like, why does anyone do this more than once? (laughs) And my nurses were like, oh, they started to laugh. They were like, because you forget it all. Uh, Seriously. (laughs) Yeah. I I felt like I just could not. I was immediately just, oh, I was, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe I did it. I remember just, I just kept saying that over and over again, mm-hmm. that I did it. I did it. I did end up having a second degree tear, which that was not fun. But for, I, I'm actually kind of grateful. I felt like it could have been worse with how hard I, I did have to push to get her out because of the heart rate D cells that were having mm-hmm. happening. So, and only like, I mean, my first vaginal delivery and only pushing for 20 minutes is really good. That was, it was pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say for stalling, not progressing all these things, you know, it was pretty quick. And it makes me think like with your first one, like, oh, it's been 12 hours. Like, yeah, but like, look how long, like it's, it was the same thing with me. Like my first one was also 12 hours where he was like, yeah, it's been 12 hours. I'm like, we're first time mom. My body's never done this before you know it just seems like the first time we weren't given chance a chance right and then like look it took time it took time this induction took time you know but like amazing it just you just needed someone to trust your body and its ability and your ability to do this and it is hard when it comes down to it and they're like hey like we're talking about all these interventions we got to get this baby out fast that's a lot of pressure on you it's like can be scary but you went with you went with it and you you did it. You totally did it. Oh, I love it. And I love it at, like for the cook catheter. So in some places they call it a Foley, some places they call it a cook. And that is like such a great way to induce. And a lot of a lot of people say that it's contraindicated, but we see it happen all the time. And it it does have success. Yeah, definitely. And I know. My first birth, I should add, that was a different hospital. That's why mm-hmm. I did not, I did not go back there because I felt like that definitely, like the team you have around you, it plays a huge role, I think, in your birth outcome. And it was the experience with night and day at this hospital I delivered at this time. I actually had my second and third birth at the current hospital, and they were both, both were amazing experiences. They really yeah. sound supportive, loving, encouraging. Like it really helped like educate, you know, help you know the options here. Like, hey, we're gonna do this. We're so this, these are some options, but we don't want to do that. Let's just get this baby out, you know? Right. And it was just like every step, it was they never did anything without talking to me, which is huge. Mm-hmm. I think because sometimes, like I know in my first birth, I definitely felt like things were happening to like just things are just happening to me. Like I would, didn't have a say. It was very like, oh, we're going to break your water now. We're going to do this to you now. Like, I, which, you know, this time it was not like that at all. Like I was a part of my care, which I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's one of the things, like even if birth, the birth doesn't end up exactly how you wanted or envisioned, I feel like being a part of your care and being an advocate in your space and having someone talk to you as though 
you know, you are someone making these decisions because you should be right. Like it really, it really makes a difference in the overall view of the, the birth. I'm not saying like it totally takes away from any, you know, sad feelings or, or anything like that, but it, it, it makes a big deal when you are a part of your birth and you are helping calling the shots and making the decisions versus having people just say, we're doing this, we're doing this, or we did this, you know, not even like we're going to do this. It's we've done, we've done this. This is what we did. Like that happens too. Right. I didn't realize how much it did happen until I went on this journey of like reading everything I could and reading stories and mm-hmm. watching, you know, documentaries. And it, it's just, oh, I'm happy a lot more women are educating themselves. So now I feel like we're taking back our power with birth. Absolutely. We're taking back our power with birth. I love that. Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about, so you kind of mentioned a few of them. And so how are you in, sorry, how are you induced with your first? They did Cervidil and then Pitocin. Cervidil and Pitocin. Okay. Um, and we know that like Cytotec, Cervidil, those types of things are usually not used with VBAC because they are contraindicated. Um, and there's like a whole history with that, but that's probably why they didn't do that, you know, with this, with this baby, but sometimes they're, the cervix isn't soft enough, open enough for a fully or a cook, right? They can't get it in. And, and that's where a lot of people feel stuck. They feel like they don't have any other option other than scheduling a C-section, which I just want to also side note, the scheduling a C-section is okay too. That is not a bad thing. If that's something that someone desires, that is okay. And we encourage everyone to follow their heart. And if they're like, okay, in my mind, like I'm going to do everything I possibly can on my end. And if my baby doesn't come by this day, I'll schedule a C-section. You know, that's kind of similar to what you were thinking. Like that's fine. That is totally okay. But there are other ways to induce. And Um, Like I was saying, sometimes the cervix isn't in a prime state for those balloons. And so there are other things that we can do. They can actually start Pitocin on a really low, slow drip. And the thing about Pitocin is it's not something that's just going to like open your cervix. It's got to like cause contractions and, and do its work, but it can just get your cervix just enough where you can get a fully. And or a catheter in. And a long time ago, Julie actually had a client, personal client who it was a feedback after three C-section mom. In fact, I think she's on the story and it was kind of that way where like nothing was happening with her cervix at all. And they were like, no, we really suggest a C-section. And she's like, no, like just start me on pit. And she was on pit for a really long time, but got her open and got a catheter and went from there. So you can start, you can kind of do that where you got a low dose pit. And these are, these are things that aren't as normal things. Like they're not as common, I should say. Um, so these are things that you're going to have to request and really talk um, to your provider and see if they're on board with doing this, if they're going to help you um, in that way, if they can help you in that way. Um, but sweeping membranes, you know, that's a softer VBAC induction method. Um, sometimes scraping the membranes can kind of stimulate evening primrose oil, nipple stimulation, and sex, quite frankly. Sex is a great, great tip to start softening that cervix. But if you're past that point, yeah, the slow dose pit before a catheter is wonderful. Sometimes providers are like, oh, we'll just break your water. 
right off the bat. And that's, that's fine too. It's called artificial rupture of membranes, but it's necessarily, it's not necessarily as ideal. Cause what if we've got a high baby or a baby in a wonky position or labor is not ready to start, then we still have Pitocin and things to come after that. So, um, I love how you're like my water broke on its own this time. And it, I was so proud of my body, you know, and it's, it's awesome. It's more ideal for us to wait for our waters to break you know, spontaneously, but it sometimes artificial is the answer. And so doing what's best for you and most comfortable for you in that state. So going through this now, having had an induction feedback after two C-section, are there any tips that you would give to the listeners out there walking in to that space? I would say definitely just an induction can take a long time. So do not feel pressure because even this time it was 28 hours start to finish and you know Mm -hmm. that's a long time but everything was going fine and it I mean I it doesn't matter how long it takes as long as you're healthy and your baby's healthy it can take it can take days to be induced Mm -hmm. definitely don't yeah don't go in with the expectation like I have to have a baby in 12 hours or 24 hours because that's often not the case especially Mm -hmm. if it's your first you know vaginal delivery like in my I mean pushing usually the second stage in your first delivery can take longer as well but I also would say educate yourself on every method of induction Mm-hmm. Um, even for VBAC specifically, just so you, when you, every step you get to, you're, you're educated and you can make whatever choice is best for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, like again, whatever choice is best for you. And that is how that exactly what you're saying. Like, that's how you find what choice is best for you is you get the education, you learn about VBAC, you learn about CBAC, you learn about induction, you learn about all the things, and then you are able to kind of take charge and make the choice that is best for you, your family, your baby, and your experience. So I love that so much. And I'm so proud of you for going in and going for it and taking charge of your care and learning and listening and watching the stories and, you know, all the things so you could feel prepared. And I'm so glad that you had a beautiful experience. Thank you. I'm, I still, when I think about it, I'm still like, I can't believe I did that. I did Mm -hmm. that. And I'm like, if I can do that, I can do anything. Right. Don't you feel like (laughs) untouchable? (laughs) Yeah. It's so empowering. Yes, it really is. And that's amazing. I mean, birth should be empowering. Birth should be empowering. And, and it should be, I mean, it's just something, this is a day that you literally, it's a, it's a big deal in our life, right? Like it's something that you might have little details fade, but you'll never forget the day. Like I will never forget the day that each one of my kids are born. It's a big day in our life. Our family was growing. Our family was transforming into this beautiful family of two, three, four, you know, five. And it's just something that I won't ever forget. And I want those memories to be happy and positive. And like I said, I you know, didn't desire either of my two C-sections, but I still can find the positive in them and have found healing. And I'm so grateful for, for them because I wouldn't be here probably today. You know, I don't, I honestly wonder, I always kind of wanted to be like a labor and delivery nurse, but I even wonder if I didn't have those two C-sections, if I would be here with you today. 
and be so passionate about VBAC and understand VBAC the way I do. Um, I don't know if I would, and if I wanted to be a doula, you know, I don't, I don't know. I wonder, and I know you mentioned like maybe wanting to be a doula one day, right? Like, do you feel like these births have inspired you from that? Or have you always kind of wanted to be a birth worker? I, it's actually kind of funny because when I was a little kid, I used to, I had a million baby dolls and I always would pretend to be a mom. And I think I was always drawn to being a mom in motherhood. And I, through my birth experiences and discovering all the different aspects of the birth world, I think that came from my desire to just be with women. Mm -hmm. Like I'm so passionate about women and and being empowered and making sure every, like a woman should be educated and should never feel like they had no options or no choice. Like I think that's the part that makes me so passionate Mm -hmm. and definitely the, experiences like my first experience in birth was traumatic and that definitely lit a fire in me to just seek out you know all the education and other women who with like minds who've gone through similar things and even I'm actually so before I stay at home now but I was in nail tech so I had talked to women all the time all my clients and I've talked with them and held their hands through them, you know, getting married and having babies. And I'm always the person when they get pregnant, I I tell them everything. (laughs) I'm like, you need to get this book. You should do that. Oh, do this. I, and they always say like, you, you would be so good at that. You would be a good doula. You'd be a good nurse. You'd be so good at that. (laughs) It's, it's coming your way. It's coming. (laughs) You're going to do it. You've got the passion. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you so much again for being with us today. Thank you for sharing your beautiful story. And I know just like everybody else that you're going to touch someone out there. You're going to feel there's going to be someone that connects to your story so much and listens to it on repeat because they're trying to do the exact same thing that you did. So thank you so much. Yeah, we will have the induction blog in the show notes. If you want to learn more about those methods of induction, um, feel free to check that out. And then we will also have a link for more about VBAC after two C-sections as well. Interested in sharing your VBAC story on the podcast? Submit your story at the vbaclink.com slash share. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.